Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about module systems right now. And uh, uh, thanks to a couple of listeners for writing in and bringing to my attention and reminding me that of uh, another important use of module systems as kind of the uh, way of organizing separate compilation. So a lot of times we like to have you know the ability to compile just a piece of our code and not have to recompile like our whole program every time um, something changes. And so uh, it's true that a lot of times module systems are kind of the, you know, modules are the boundaries or the places, the units uh, for separate compilation. So thanks guys for um, mentioning this point. Today I want to talk about, you know, well, my plan is to sort of survey different module systems and reflect on them a little bit with you. And today I want to talk about Haskell's module system. Uh, Haskell's module system is uh, it's very nicely documented in the Haskell uh, 2010 report and there's good tutorials and things like that about it and um, it's a pretty simple design sort of at least in principle it seems like it's pretty simple but as you get into it I think there's actually rather a bit of complexity there but it has some really um, I think excellent engineering um, decisions, excellent language design decisions reflected there. And so I want to talk about um, some of this Haskell's module system. Um, by the way, I'm not commuting right now or driving on an errand. I'm sitting on my balcony. It's an exceptionally warm spring day. You might hear birds or geese in the background or something. And it's a pretty nice day to be hanging out in Iowa and talking about module systems. Okay, so, um, so in Haskell, you, um, you can organize your uh, your Haskell code into modules. And this happens, as far as I know, just kind of at the source file level. So you can have a Haskell source file and you can declare, you can start it off with like module M where, and then you write all your Haskell code. So you are, um, it seems, and I, you know, especially with my baby knowledge of Haskell, I always have to put a big asterisk if I say Haskell does or doesn't have this. Because first of all, there's many, many language extensions. The language is always developing and changing. Um, but I don't think, uh, to my knowledge, I don't think you can nest modules in a, in a module. Like, so you really just have like a file could be a module. Um, and maybe if you omit the module declaration, it's like implicitly a module or something. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, you, you, your file, you can say module M where, where M is the name of the mo your module. And the main, so actually Haskell's module system performs both the sort of main functions that I talked about last time. Actually, in speaking about separate compilation, the, the, the uh, Haskell 2010 report kind of um, doesn't really get into that too much. There's a very short section that sort of mentions separate compilation in sort of in regard to the module system, but doesn't say, doesn't really go very far with that. Uh, and sort of leaves it up to implementations of Haskell to kind of try to deal with that. So, um, but as we were speaking about sort of, if we want to consider the main functions of the module system to be namespace management and possibly abstraction, like high information hiding, uh, then Haskell's module system does can do both of those things. And so, um, as far as namespace management goes, um, modules can list names that they export so every, every module has a, there's a set of names that the module exports and you say module M and then you put parentheses and start listing names of entities. That's what the Haskell report calls them. That's like types or, you know, functions and stuff like that. 
So you just list these with commas, like module M, parentheses, blah, 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 comma, 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 whatever all the other things are that you want to export. And um, if you don't put anything, then by default, all the names are exported. Okay, so you can export names. And similarly, then, if you import a module, um, so you have the ability to import a module, as you pretty much would need to have in any sensible system, I think, um, you can import a module and then you, you can, if you wish, you can specify which you know, names you're bringing into scope the same kind of way. You say import and parentheses and you list a bunch of names um, of the ones that are being exported from module M. Uh, if you don't list any names there, if you just say import, import M, then that means you want all the names that M exports. So um, I really, I think it's fair to say that the module system is largely concerned with and sort of built around the question of the importing and exporting of names. And so on its surf, on its face, that seems like that would be a fairly simple job to get done. And um, I'm not saying that, I don't think that, you know, the Haskell design doesn't seem like Byzantine or anything, but it, it, it does have some complexity to it about sort of like how, you know, different features for letting me, for example, um, in your export list, apparently you can say export, you know, you say, you know, my module, my module and parentheses, and you can write module as a keyword there and name a module that is in, that you've imported or yourself. So you can say module M parentheses, and you can write module M, which is a little bit surprising syntactically, but as I, the report explained, that means you're saying you want to export all the names from your own module that you're currently defining. Um, or if you've, if module M has imported like a module A, you can list the, you can write module A in your export list. And that means export everything that you, well, okay, now, now I'm not quite sure. I suppose it means export all the names that you imported from module A. I mean, that would be the only sensible thing, right? I don't know. I mean, the alternative would mean that you wrote that to mean export all the names, I mean, export all the names exported by module A, regardless of which ones you imported. Can you start to see how this starts to feel like a little, um, like there's a quite a few little rules to pay attention to, um, as if not the user of the module system, as the implementer of the module system. It's, there's a lot of little things you have to deal with. Um, let's see, what are the other salient things? Oh yeah, so when you import a module, then the report explains that Two, for every exported name, okay, let's see, let me be careful. <laughs> for every name you're importing from that module, which is basically the subset of the module's exported names, which you have said you want, okay? With your, when you say import M and you put in parentheses the things you want, or if you put nothing, it means you want all the names. Um, for each of those names, two, actually two names come into scope within your module. The name, like, so say you have a module that's got, like, a function f in it, and you import that module. Then f is now in scope in your module, okay? Well, that certainly makes sense. Um, I mean, assuming f was exported from this first module. Um, so you can now use the name f. That's cool. But you can also always use m.f. So the qualified name, m.f, where we indicate, you know, the name a little bit more completely by saying module dot the entity name, um, you can always use that to refer to the module. Uh, you there are, so you get two names available, 
And if you want, you can say, there's ways to control this, the names a bit. <clears throat> so you can say, um, import qualified M. And that means you're saying, no, thank you, Haskell. I just want M.F. I don't want F. Everywhere I use that function in my, that I refer to that entity in my code, I want to use the fully qualified name. I don't want to use the unqualified name. Why would you not want to use the unqualified name? Isn't more better? Don't you want more names in scope? No, that's the whole point of namespace management. We want to be careful about which names we have in scope to avoid collisions with names of the stuff that we're writing. Okay, so it certainly makes sense that you would sometimes want to say, please don't give me that name F just by itself. I want to always have to say M.F in this piece of code when I'm trying to you know, use F. Um, so you can, okay, so you can import qualified. You can say import qualified M. Again, you can list um, names you're importing from M. And then you can say as whatever. And you can pick a different name besides M that you want to use as the qualifier. So instead of saying M.F, now you could, if you said import qualified M as Q, now you can say Q.F. That's a handy convenience feature. I mean, if some module happens to have a rather longish name and you don't really want to write this all over your code, but you still want to kind of protect your namespace by qualifying the names from that other module, then it makes sense that you could say import qualified, you know, Mixelblix as, you know, Q or whatever. Um, let's see. There's some other um, interesting notes about the module system. One is that the modules are um, all recursive. And they make a great point in the Haskell report about this that I really admire. And it's a kind of example of um, beautiful language design and engineering that I associate with Haskell. <laughs> and they point out that since in Haskell, um, each Haskell source file, all the definitions in it are automatically considered mutually recursive. Every function I write is mutually recursive with every other function in that same file. Of course, I don't have to tap into that mutually recursive you know, potential, but uh, anything can call anything within that file. And once you, and then, so then they're saying, furthermore, if you, um, if you have multiple modules, like importing one another, um, you can import recursively. So A can import B and B can import A. Um, and I, uh, that is different than the design we'll see in a number of other languages where you really have to get things kind of in a um, linear order. Um, but the, the, what the report mentions here is, and I think is a really great idea, is that since Haskell has this idea that the files, your names and files are mutually recursive, we really don't want to penalize you for trying to refactor your code and, and break some things up into several files, right? Like, you know, your scenario is you're writing some code, you're getting this file, it's getting kind of long, you decide you want to refactor things. You shouldn't be punished um, in this, you shouldn't be punished by for doing that. And in this case, the punishment would be that um, definitions which were mutually recursive in your, you know, unrefactored file uh, now couldn't be mutually recursive when you split them across modules. So Haskell wanted to avoid this problem, and they so they basically said, "Well, if files can be mutually recursive, then our modules, you know, then we have to have mutual recursion across modules as well." Hats off! I think that's very nice language design work. We can debate about whether we want to have um, our 
file, you know, within a file, having all the definitions mutually recursive. Um, I mean, for my purposes in Sedil, we don't want that at all because we have, you know, we're trying to control recursion really carefully. Um, so we can't just say, oh, everything's mutually recursive. I mean, that would immediately <laughs> break all of the things we're trying to do with controlling recursion. Um, so, you know, not every language would want to make that decision. But once you have made that decision, then making your module imports recursive too, which seems a little daring and even a little crazy, um, is, is definitely makes sense is the right thing to do. So I admired that as I learned that about the Haskell module system. Um, there's a bunch of other little wrinkles. Like one thing that I've personally seen in my own Haskell programming, and Haskell is right now my go-to programming language, um, is... I've seen that uh, if I if you import a couple of modules that actually have a name clash, like say you import, um, I don't know, like data.list and data. I'm not sure what else has a, like data.map. I forget what has a, um, or data. I don't know, hash mapper. I'm not sure what there is. But uh, say you import two modules that each have a map function, okay? Haskell actually won't complain. So it has a kind of like delaying failure approach to namespace clashes. Uh, so it's only going to give you grief about it if you try to use that name. Right? So if I import A and import B and they both are exporting, you know, those imports both cause a name F to come into scope. Unless my code actually calls F, Haskell won't gripe. If I call F, and I've seen this myself in my own coding, then all of a sudden Haskell will say, oop, oop, you know, that's ambiguous. It could refer to this or that. You need to, you need to disambiguate. Um, you can even see that if you define, uh, I think you, if you just define your own map function, that's already like ambiguous with prelude.map and you'll, you'll get warnings just about that. But in the same kind of sense, like this is ambiguous. We don't know which map function you mean. Um, but anyway, but the more interesting wrinkle is uh, namespace collisions are kind of pushed off. Like you, it's not going to warn you. It's not going to give you an error about it unless you try to use the name that's in conflict. That's kind of an interesting design decision. Um, on the one hand, it lets programmers kind of avoid dealing with the full complexity of all the names for a while. Because I mean, you basically only have to deal with it when it's actually bugging you, when it's you actually have a clash, right? So um, that's pretty handy as a programmer. And I could see what might feel like a little more principled approach where it's like, well, if the if you imported two modules and they have an F and, you know, bringing in F and scope from each of them, then that's an error just right there and then, regardless whether you're using F. I mean, that right now, now you have to deal much more carefully with your module imports. I'm going to be forced to qualify the whole thing. Or um, the Haskell report does tell you that you can actually import the same module multiple times which I have actually used in my Haskell code. Um, so if you want some names unqualified, you can import them unqualified. And if you want some other names qualified, you can import the same module again in your same source file with um, some other names qualified. So that's like kind of interesting. Um, I'm pausing because I see a pretty big wasp and <laughs> uh, around the eaves of the house, you can get wasps nests. So now's the season to be watching out for them. Um, anyways... Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of, I think I'd guess I'd say I'm on the fence about that one, about whether that's a good idea. Because right, then the programmer can kind of be surprised. You're like, I imported these two modules, and I'm just calling functions from them and calling functions, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this function 
um, I can't call because it's in conflict with another module that I'm importing. I mean, of course, you know, it's like, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like a tornado um, sucked up your car. It's not a humongous disaster. You just have to qualify that one name. Okay, so it's, but still, you know, there's like might be a little tiny shock factor as a programmer. Like, what? Why is it not okay to call this? Um, yeah, again, not, not too bad because it's pretty easy to deal with. Um, so let's see. I've covered, oh gosh, I, I don't want to forget to talk about the, this is all about namespace management, what I've been saying about the Haskell module system. And I almost forgot to talk about the um, information hiding part of it. So if you want, in, when a, a module can simply fail to export some names. And for example, a, a classic kind of situation of this is you might um, export a data type without exporting any of its constructors. Haskell actually allows you to export a data type with all its constructors, with some of its constructors, or with none of its constructors, right? I mean, you just list any set of constructors for that data type, possibly none, and or possibly all, and those will be exported, which means that um, you can uh, you can make the type opaque. Like, you can basically just say, oh, I'm exporting my, like, say you have a tree type, which has some constructors like, you know, leaf and node or something, but you just say, I'm exporting tree, and you don't export leaf and node, then all of a sudden programmers who are trying to use your module can't really do anything with this tree type you provided except with other functions you're exporting. So they wouldn't be able to construct trees or pattern match on trees because those names are not in scope. Um, so you can hide some implementation details that way. Of course, you can always just elect to hide some functions, right? So um, if you had in mind that your code is providing an interface and has certain functions you want other people to use and other ones that are just sort of internal and you for example, don't want to commit to, like maybe you're expecting them to change more frequently and you're willing to commit to a particular interface to export those functions, but internal functions you, you, um, you don't want to export, you can do that. You just say, I'm just not exporting the names of my internal functions, and that could give me some more um, flexibility, uh, potentially. So it does, Haskell does support information hiding in this sense. Um, uh, Module namespace is flat, so you can't actually have nested modules. Um, but weirdly, you can have nested module names. <laughs> so that's why, and I was trying to understand this, because as you see, like if you use Haskell at all, you're constantly importing things like data.list or data.car or, or whatever it is. And the names look like it's some kind of like hierarchy of modules, but they're not. There's just this feature that was put in place I, let's see. No, it was the Haskell 2010 report did have that. But I think maybe the 90, Haskell 98 didn't have that. I'm not sure. At least it's somewhere in there. In the, I think the 2010 report, it said that earlier versions of Haskell, you could just say, like, I have, like, module list. I would not be allowed to write module data dot list. Now, really, that, like, longer name is really just serving as sort of like an informal hierarchy designation. There's nothing in the language that's going to organize the modules based on that, really. It's just like Hackage will apparently, you know, maybe using those things to help organize stuff, um, how it presents things. I, I don't know for sure about that. Um, so anyway, so on balance, I want to try to give a little summary of what I think, um, what I, my opinion is so far on this module system. Uh, the module system does cover the two basic things we talked about, namespace management and data abstraction. Uh, 
it provides a really simple and intuitive interface to use for controlling, um, uh, like for just like importing and exporting names as a sort of basic use. It also provides rather a little bit more particular and um, I would imagine slightly irritating to implement ways to manage the namespace, which makes me think that as I, as my, my critique of Haskell is very, again, rather baby knowledge of Haskell and with immense respect for how awesome a language it is and how greatly, how amazingly well engineered it is. I mean, I, I'm really a big fan of Haskell, but the one critique I would have is that sometimes, you know, and this is like armchair quarterback for sure, you know, there's complexity in the language that's coming from things like kind of not being as powerful or general as they maybe could be. And so, you know, sometimes when things are a little more particular, now I'm walking back to my house and by gosh, there's an enormous full moon on the horizon. I'm sorry, this is like outdoor Iowa commentary, but it's like pretty, pretty nice night out here today in early in mid spring. And there's a big, big moon on the horizon. Um, Anyway, you know, so the module system kind of feels the same way. There's like lots of little weird, tricky little things that you can do to control how names are coming, at, you know, exported or imported. And it sort of feels like, you know, if I were implementing that, I'd be kind of, boy, there's a lot of little rules to keep track of. I'd rather have something simpler, but maybe more powerful, more general. And that's, you know, so anyway... Um, so mostly the, the action is about importing and exporting names in the Haskell module system. So uh, I think that's all I have to say by way of survey to the extent of my knowledge. I'm sorry if I offended somebody by what I'm saying uh, in, in, or leaving out in this, but uh, I, I hope I've got you know things roughly correct. So correct me if you think I made a mistake. And that's kind of my assessment of it. Very nice design um, and, and nice to use day to day. So, okay. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you're good wherever you are. Take care and I'll be posting again about another module design uh, module system soon.